Hello everyone, I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode, SFU contemporary art student Andrea Isia Galindo sits down with alumnus Aro Kapoor to hear about why he chose to study at SFU School for Contemporary Arts and to learn more about his experiences as a multidisciplinary performer and director across theater, dance, and film. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, my name is Andrea and I will be your host. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Aryo Kapoor, a multidisciplinary performance director and dramaturg. Aryo holds a BFA in theater performance from Simon Fraser University and has been involved in multiple theater, dance, video, and film productions in Vancouver. Aryo also co-founded The Biting School, which has been presented at the Firehall Art Center, the Dance Center, Dance Days Victoria, Dancing on the Edge Festival, Dance in Vancouver, Vancouver International Dance Festival, Push International Festival, and Montreal Arts Interculturals going to start by saying welcome to this podcast. Thank you, thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to meet you and nice to be talking to you. So let's just get a roll with it. The first question would be what made you pick us a few for your degree? So what happened? Um, I was very interested in theater, physical theater, kind of uh, uh, surrealist theater uh, since I was 16, 17. And after I moved to Vancouver from Tehran, I basically was looking, was on the lookout to see what programs are there, what is interesting to me. I definitely didn't want to go to university (laughs) because I thought that kind of cool uh, performance and theater doesn't happen in an institution, like a a big institution, like like a university. But I did go to this class called, well, it was a smaller training program uh, run by Dean Fogel, an amazing mime, called Tuba Physical Theater. And over there, uh, there were all kinds of classes, acting, mime, circus Mm -hmm. training, and and. Over there, I met so many awesome people, but I also met two instructors who were graduates from SFU. And I was like, oh, I really like what you do. Who are you and what do you do? And where do you come from? Mm-hmm. Like, which training? And uh, the two people, I have to name them, uh, Carrie Jo Hoffman and Jamie Long, who is still active in Vancouver. Both of them are. They basically were t- told me that if you want to be an actor in the industry, maybe you want to consider, I don't know, other institutions. But if you want to create something, like your own work, mm-hmm. SFU could be interesting. And uh, I considered it. And I came up and auditioned and I got into the program. I think the first time I didn't get in or I uh, I was yeah. I wanted to get into the theater ensemble, but then I was put in the first year. It was, uh, it was interesting, yeah. I actually auditioned for other colleges and universities, but I didn't get in. I would start, I was very intrigued. I mean, my extreme interest in uh, hyperphysical, rigorous, uh, surrealist, physical theater. And they would be like, oh, no, 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 this is not what we do. They wanted to, it seemed like I was supposed to get into a specific box, of course. Yeah. Of course, being an uh, immigrant and speaking English uh, as an ESL. So those were in there too. So I considered, but then I ended up here. I guess it was destined, kind of. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. And I think SFU is very much like 
make your own path sure. more like putting you in a box here they very much encourage you to do your own thing and i think i find it very welcome to like bring in new ideas and new work so absolutely there's there's a fine balance because you mm -hmm. could have a rigid program like so many conservatories basically you mold somebody into a thing that you have in mind or you can you can have hyper open programs that doesn't give you enough material so the fine balance in between so you want to have still some kind of structure that is sure. fluid that is moving around um, yeah. that's what i think at least there's some something to stand on or push against how much you tell somebody to to make art in a specific way and how much you like oh do it your own mm -hmm. on your own so that fine balance because because let's be honest, we we really respect our mentors if, if we like them. For sure. And then you start doing the things they do. And at some point, you have to grow out of it. Yeah. So that these are all like different uh, spaces that you move through, right? For or sure. I did at least. I think. <laughs> I think I did at least, yeah. So you had that expectation of the school, but actually going through the program, was it what you expected? Yes, the, I would say yes. I have to again clarify that my lineage in, in theater, my interest in theater was, say, Antonin Artaud, Grotowski, and these people who were working on the embodied practices, more of physical theater. Another reason, another discussion that I had with the people who told me uh, this could be for you was that the program here run by Penelope, Didi Kugler, uh, before that I got here, Mark Diamond, and of course, Stephen Hill, they were pretty physical mm -hmm. theater. It was not like the theater of words and like, you know, talking heads and standing mm -hmm. like just, and I got that. I came here and I received that, those conversations in addition to the intellectual conversations, but also more uh, political discussions around playmaking in a collective way in a non-hierarchical way, discussions on hierarchy, because mm -hmm. traditional theater is hyper-hierarchical. You have the you have the play that functions as the book, like mm -hmm. the ultimate holy book, and then you have the director who kind of functions as uh, some kind of a prophet, and then you have the, the actors and then the audience. So I was hoping not to be trained in a space, not to be in a space like that. I was mm -hmm. hoping to work in different uh, alternative hierarchies, right? Of course. And uh, also maybe evolving hierarchies or moving yes. hierarchies. You know, power moves around Absolutely. as opposed to being put in a box rigidly. Totally get it. And I, as a current student as well, like, you know, they encourage all the time student work, student-led work. You know, you start in a project with a couple of people and then you have that hierarchy that you're talking about, but then you move on to another project and then the hierarchy will flip. People will switch roles and it's just like trying to find that. Yes, exactly. Experience. But also, it absolutely, that's a very important act. Sometimes people say you come to university or any kind of institution of education not to get anything, mm -hmm. specifically get any knowledge per se, quote unquote, but to go through these experiences and yes. learn the hard way, quote unquote, like the boot camp or something. So, yeah. so many people talk in those, uh, uh, on that level experiencing those frictions yes. and learning those frictions now if the if not held properly by the, by the person in power in the room which usually becomes an instructor or yeah. the director or some anybody or older per person then those frictions could actually be harmful or hyper educational right like they could it could be the best thing mm -hmm. best lesson you got or it could cause you to leave the art like i've seen both 
right? It could also be both at the same time. You can (laughs) be the best lesson, (laughs) like life wise, which let you. And I'm out of here. Yeah, that's it. That's the end, right? (laughs) That's true. Let's maybe talk a little bit more in the lighter conversation about any project that like really impacted your career, like maybe stirred it in a way that you didn't think it was going to go. I had worked with so many awesome people and many people in, in SFU. I do have to acknowledge the privilege because mm-hmm. I come in a certain body, in a certain voice, in a certain look, in certain connections. It's a huge privilege I had. And I uh, I was very lucky to work with so many amazing colleagues, ensemble members, uh, also professors mm-hmm. inside and outside the institution, uh, MFA candidates, PhD candidates. It was just an awesome time. I uh, cross-pollination, like in, in between disciplines, mm-hmm. I worked in film. Uh, I actually was in the dance uh, main stage as well. So, of course, I was in theater. I did so many main stages in theater. But also I was in dance, not as a dance major, not even a minor, <laughs> but I did end up because I had that privilege, right? And uh, we have to acknowledge that. So many, after that dance started, there are so many names. I won't be able to name names <laughs> properly, but <clears throat> I do remember that I uh, worked on different projects and then people would see me, people exactly. would talk to me about them. Because of the nature of the school, they were very experimental. Mm-hmm. I was having fun. And of course, when I'm having fun, I'm going to be the awesome performer that I can of be. Course. People see that. And they're like, oh, who are you? We should talk to you. You should work with me. And that's how it works. Trust me, I really like SFU <laughs> and I really owe a lot to SFU. It's, it's also strange to call it SFU as one entity because it's yeah. a kind of a network of so many different yes. people who have different relationships with SFU, love-hate relationships even, right? Oh, yeah. But, but I do want to say this is not, this isn't, hasn't been the experience of all the people mm-hmm. and even the majority of people this was my experience and i was hyper privileged yeah not everybody can for example get into uh, the main stages and main stage in theater and dance and actually be on a film as well yeah and then uh, i don't know all these uh, discussions yeah yeah i totally. just want to truly acknowledge that because their luck is, is a huge part of it timing is a part of it oh yeah and of course yourself how you move in the world what are your interests are actually that's our that's plays a role here maybe you can talk about the biting school and how that came to be biting school yes yeah potentially biting school had the least connection to sfu if i may say now but (laughs) uh but also i won't be able to say this because continuously i'm working with the people I have met in my past, which mm-hmm. a huge number of them are SFU. Now, the Biting School is a company uh, that I created uh, with my brother, Arash, uh, who's a dancer choreographer. He never go to, uh, never went to SFU. Um, he trained differently. And then basically it was the two of us. The, the start of it was uh, this project called Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. It was me and my brother uh, in an, uh, kind of a physical theater piece which so many people call dance piece there was not a lot of text there was no text actually at all and we constantly kill each other as Cain and Abel over and over and again as a a lot of sweating (laughs) a lot of falling a lot of fighting uh, quite like a traditional masculine energy of violence Mm -hmm. and having uh, references to history of different kinds and uh, it actually went to so many dance festivals but not theater festivals, because people wouldn't acknowledge it as a theater yeah. festival. It's not a theater per se. Um, and that was the beginning of the project. And there were 
other people involved in that project, right? My, uh, my uh, good friend Parjad, my good friend Alex Ma, and uh, and so many other people who came on board, and uh, and uh, that has been a tradition of Biting School. We keep having the people we like to work with, and of course there are so many other people we want to work with, and uh, we keep uh, trying to figure it out that way. And that uh, Alex did go to SFU, mm-hmm. amazing musician. Uh, a project at the time, uh, yes, PhD candidate at SFU, I think. But I know Pajot from outside. Of course, uh-huh. I know my brother before SFU. <laughs> but I did meet Alex at SFU. So just this one example, I owe my relationship to uh, yeah. uh, to Alex, uh, with Alex to SFU for sure. Yeah, and so many other people, That's right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I, I actually worked at the dance center for a little bit and I would oh, see no. like writing school all the time and then I came to SFU and, you know, I read that you were in theater performance and I was like, I thought he was a dancer. Oh, so confused, nice. Yes, right? yes. Oh, I was confused myself because <laughs> I would keep getting hired in dance right. uh, by some amazing people but then not so much in theater. So I would go to theater projects. Again, I was lucky. Mm-hmm. But then I would be too physical. and uh, Or they would want me to speak in a specific way, or it, which is, was not fitting the part or not, right? Because right. uh, there are different spaces, different ways of making. But I have actually... Uh, well, I can't tell that because I'm also interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary performer. Yes. So I do film. I do video. Uh, I, I I am doing theater. I did theater proper. Uh, I did theater proper in Coquitlam in um, community theater there. I did the theater over there, and like uh, all those traditional plays like Agatha Christie and stuff like that, which was really fun. Really, we really enjoyed the people uh, because they were doing it uh, because they they did it because they so loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be there. And it was so many beautiful relationships between the people who were involved in Stage 43. You say that now you're doing video as well. And I just wanted to touch on that because we were in this pandemic. The only way to show work for the longest time was through videos and through doing that on our own. Yeah. And I think that just having those little connections of like working with people, even if you didn't quite enjoy the experience, but you would learn some things through those like little projects. And then that would make you have enough information to do something on your own. Cinema for me started when theater started when i was like 15 16 cool uh i always loved cinema equally uh well i can't say equally because <laughs> i did end up in theater more right but i heavily followed cinema i've always uh, thought about it and uh and it's uh, basically when uh, the pandemic happened it was just more availability for me mm-hmm. to for example direct uh, a piece of moving image because there was like there were I think the the politics was people who were scared that artists are gonna exit the arts yes right uh, and performance artists like myself right of course. and then they give uh, made available more budget and of course I'm gonna make films but I I don't like to think that these are uh, I basically think film and video is different from the from performance. Yes. So what we see so many times, I guess ninety percent of the moment is documentation of performing of arts. Work, of course. Because the language is different, the medium is different, right? People came to live performance because they wanted to do live performance, mm-hmm. and video and film is another medium. 
Yes. And so many Quite people different. think they, they're f similar. Like, actually, uh, I like to connect it to SFU, the formation and the organism that SFU is, like how people cross-pollinate. There mm -hmm. has been more cross-pollination, in my experience at SFU, between theater and dance than it was between theater and cinema and film. And so many people think, oh, well, you're in film. Of course, you did theater before. So, Or when you do mm -hmm. theater, you move on, you graduate, quote-unquote, to cinema. Right. Uh, which is quite simplistic and untrue. Uh, but it was so interesting to see that the film people were not finding themselves connect that connected to theater people, in my mm -hmm. experience. But theater and dance had a For lot. Sure. I personally think they overlap, usually. Yes. But it was just interesting to see that. Maybe it has something to do with the architecture of the building because on fourth floor, right, most of theater, theater and, and dance, dance together. Right, together. So I'm trying to transfer here that there are many factors mm -hmm. i don't think if theater is any closer to any of them i think we have overlaps equal kind of equally whatever that means because in theater you have text and te well i don't want to get too philosophical <laughs> but text and textuality mm -hmm. and uh, kind of film shares that with it but also theater has body that cinema doesn't have but dance has the body uh, and basically dance has body and rhythm and music which again, moving image has music and text. I'm borrowing this from Alain Badiou, uh, French philosopher, but, but it's always interesting. Mm -hmm. They all overlap, right? For sure. And no. I think that, I guess that's what SFU is really trying to show, like get into like these students, that they all overlap. You're yeah. not just, yeah. you're an artist. You might practice dance, but you're, everyone is an artist and we all overlap as artists. Yes, yes. And of course, placing, positioning ourselves, takes mm -hmm. a lot of negotiation. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you're an immigrant. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about how that came into place during your time at SFU and the whole conversation that we're having about decolonizing the institution. How was your experience at SFU with that? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Decolonization is a huge concept. Every time I talk to people who are uh, kind of <laughs> unsure of the uh, if it's necessary, mm -hmm or uh, totally against it mm -hmm. uh, one of the thing uh, one of the first things i hear is like i f i hear and i feel that they don't know what it is yes and i'm wondering if anybody knows what exactly it is right uh what is exact anyways so my my offer is in an attempt to <laughs> talk decolonization uh is to break it down as much as we can mm -hmm. so i won't be able to talk about it uh Unless we start breaking it down, see what are the small bits and pieces uh, that is uh, that is that uh, yeah, what are those small th things? Uh, my first offer, actually, no, you asked me about the my immigration mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna come back to this, but uh, the thing is, I did feel welcome here because the ensembles that were curated and cast mm -hmm. by the people who were letting students in they were casting diverse, at least in my ensemble. Okay. I don't know about the other spaces, uh, the other ensembles, but that is a welcoming gesture. That's an inclusive gesture. While there were other institutions in this Vancouver, that are, they are doing theater, they're doing awesome theater, but they're not diverse or inclusive. I did experience those as well because they were expecting a specific uh, part that I should fit in. Mm -hmm. So if I am a racialized person, I would only play this character. So I would never uh, 
basically in the traditional format of the theater, their theater, uh, I would not fit in all the places. Right. But what, for example, abstract thinking or surrealism allows is that everybody could potentially be included in all spaces as long as we negotiate it. Of course. So my experience in SFU was that it was a more fluid uh, structure and, of course, more inclusive structure. And uh, it did allow me to connect with other uh, like-minded people. And I was literally actually not let in to other institutions which I auditioned before. Right. Before, uh, mm-hmm. as a few, which is very ironic and interesting. <laughs> uh, I would have been miserable. I would have actually quit. So let's be honest, if I were mm-hmm. in the, those other institutions. But anyways, uh, now I do think there are other factors to decolonization that I can talk about. I'm not an authority in any way. I'm <laughs> learning. I'm learning as we go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my main thing that I would like to put in is like break, the, uh, break down the concept into to uh, smaller, smaller parts so we can actually talk about it so we're not scared of it. Yes. So when I say decolonization, everybody freezes. Yes. So it would be nice to break it down gently and talk about parts of it. And the other one that I like to offer is like um, strongly pushing uh, pushing back on uh, binary thinking. Any kind of... Uh, solid stages we need to go in any kind of linearity that mm-hmm. things are they have one solution and then the second solution no it i don't think that's the answer i think we need to think in uh, spectrums in yes. thresholds in um, i don't know in temperature rising and falling as opposed to this one solid solution i'm going to give you uh now you want to talk about the institution or the whole country uh, so it doesn't really, I mean, SFU or the whole, yeah. or whole Canada. So regardless, I think that way of thinking needs to be present in every aspect, every level of governance and every level. Yeah, from the sessional teacher and the student director all the way to the director of the school, right? Okay. And uh, these, this is how I feel about, uh, yeah, when you, when you ask me that question. And the other thing... Uh, actions to be taken yeah. to, to kind of do that. Of course, these that I said, uh, but checking privileges. Absolutely. Checking privileges and actively including the others, quote unquote, whatever that means. Because I have benefited a lot from being included. To be honest, that's the only way. Yeah. I know people philosophize for hours and they're like, and all of these um, budgets and infrastructure they put in, they're trying to include, include. Mm-hmm. That is the way. Like when you take me as an immigrant person, you put me as the lead role of a theater show. That is communicating a lot to so many people. Yes. It's affecting my confidence. It's affecting my train, my um, skills, my acting skills, because now I'm experiencing a lead role. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, affects my relationship to everybody. And of course, uh, audience, people are going to come and see. They were like, oh, this Ario is not a specific kind of person that I've seen all my life. These are all being discussed right now, so of I shouldn't course. maybe push too far on this. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, I wanted to formulate a question, and I don't know how to like word it in a way that is. I don't think it's gonna be offensive, but I'm just like you know thinking about like checking privileges and just like trying to formulate something, just like a question. I guess I'll just 
come out and say it, but have you ever felt like you were hired to do something or at SFU you were put in a role just to fill a quota? That's a big uh, question, and I appreciate you going through the sensation of asking mm -hmm. that question, right? Uh, the answer, I would like to say as a political act, the answer is always yes. Yeah. Everywhere uh, that you have a white supremacy present or a patriarchy present, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is everywhere right now, right? Or colonialism present. Uh, but the question is, again, not yes or no binary but the question is how much exactly so spectrum so that's what i'm pushing for and i'm very passionate about it so how much were you i think the term is tokenized right or mm -hmm. how much were you to put to fulfill a quota how much was it like this much or that much yeah and i think that's the conversation to be had it's not clear so people might get frustrated like what do you mean were you or were you not so let's say yes everybody's going to constantly get yeah Everybody, yeah. right? Even uh, uh, white people would get tokenized in some ways. Of course. Right? Everybody's used for the purpose of the machine. Yes. You get hired for the purposes of the machine. Now, the question is, what are the purposes? And uh, that's a deeper conversation that oh, for you sure. should go uh, uh, case by case. Yes. In my case, I told you the answer is yes, but also no. I, I, nothing that I specifically remember right now. Sometimes it's so small in the spectrum that is personal, like mm -hmm. in the mind of the director. To like, oh, I'm gonna pick this person for this, and sometimes it's totally obvious. Like I was actually this is not SFU, but I literally was invited uh, or reached out to to be something called cultural dramaturg. Uh, for a theater show that had a, I think they ha it had a Muslim character, and I was wondering what is a cultural dramaturg, because I am also a dramaturg, yeah. right? And I'm also a director, but I'm like I'm I'm a <laughs> I'm an awesome <laughs> dramaturg, but I'm not sure what is a cultural dramaturg. Yeah. So you want me to come in and only view it through my lens? That first of all, that's all I do. Yeah. But also that doesn't only define me. Actually, okay. I am born in Iran and I'm heavily Iranian, uh, but I'm also heavily Vancouverite right now after whatever, 16 years. But I'm also heavily Italian because what I owe to the Italian cinema that I watch that I've never right. been in Italy or uh, I don't know, African literature or the Chinese uh, mm -hmm. films that I watched that I love, right? Or the Japanese uh, melodramas that I watch. So I owe to so many other I am so many Different things cultures, yeah, yeah for sure so wow. I hope I answered that you did and it's just a question that I've asked myself because I'm also an immigrant I moved here when I was 11 from Venezuela mm -hmm. but I'm very light-skinned as people would say white passing yeah and it wasn't until two weeks ago that Justine actually asked me am I okay to say that you're a woman of color and I've never heard anyone refer mm -hmm. to me as that excellent and it's just a huge conversation that I'm having with myself, I guess. Is that how you felt you said? You felt you were brought in like that? I feel like that didn't take part of me coming in just because I don't have much of an accent anymore and I'm like so light skinned. So I don't think that that was a factor in getting me in here. But I've seen others of course. and I like have that question always popping in my head and just trying to figure out if others feel the same way. Excellent. These are mm -hmm. hard questions. Yeah. Deep questions. Of course, Justine is a dear friend and an awesome artist what she was trying to do i think <laughs> my story, <laughs> she's trying to bring your attention to or she was literally responding to the fact that it's not yes or no i have to ask i have to negotiate this with you 
can I include you in this kind of group? Yeah. Not assuming, right? And of course, she's negotiating actively with you. And that's that's of her course. beauty in that moment. Because you could totally be an immigrant, but not consider yourself a person of color. Mm-hmm. In fact, now you bring it up, I don't necessarily consider myself a person of color I've never had. I, uh, But I do consider myself an immigrant. Mm-hmm. So one of the first labels I had was that, oh, I'm an immigrant artist, which was recently. Actually, for the longest time, I thought I was the center of the world and everything runs around me. Of right? Course. But then after a while, I was like, oh, no, OK, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> so let's move from there. But also, I have to acknowledge I'm also a person of color yeah. uh, when you have this level of uh, um, discrimination in every spaces. Uh, but in Iran, for example... I am of the main race, quote unquote, if that exists, uh, and I have so many privileges. Like I've never, I was never treated as a, as the other, like okay. never. Like I walk to any spaces, and I'm I'm like base. I'm like this is this is me, and I have to be. I'm supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So that changes here, of course, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Conversations. And it does. Uh, and conversations also uh, this sensational conversations okay. as well, not just words. But also being in it, like asking that question, how do you identify? And then sitting in it for a second. And yeah, how do you identify? And how does it feel? And what does it bring? What does it do to your breath? That's mm-hmm. uh, actually, that also is another act, uh, small action that we could consider in, towards decolonization to bring, come to the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to, again, the binary of mind body binary. Yeah. So. Everything is a spectrum, right? Of course, and not being afraid to actually formulate the questions or yes. acknowledge the difficulty in formulating the questions to generate conversation. Yes, because when you have difficulty in your pauses, that is actually communication sent. Like your body and your breath is communicating something exactly. to me. So that's the text also. That's also the question. And I definitely want to thank you. Thank you, NSFU, for reaching out. This is awesome. I can talk for hours. So <laughs> let's get... I could listen for hours too. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> thank awesome. you. Thank you, Andrea, for having me. Thank you so much, Ario. You can follow the SFU Contemporary Arts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to sign up for our newsletter, you can go to contact us on the sfu.ca slash SCA website. If you're an alumni creating work, please visit the new submission form on the SCA website to let us know what you're up to. On our next episode, we will hear from Tin Gamboa. Thank you for listening. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Ara Kapoor, hosted by Andrea Isia Galindo. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Duga, Stacey Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at sfu. That's fcat at sfu. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Sofia Bautista, head of product at Legible, a browser-based reading and publishing platform. Make sure you subscribe to After School on your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss this great conversation. See you next time.